Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. This episode of The Infertile Diagnosis is brought to you by the Fertility Reconnect course, brought to you by me, Monica Cox from MyMindfulMe.com. Now this course is the course that I would have died for during my infertility years. If you are dealing with unexplained infertility or if you know you have an autoimmune issue, including thyroid issues, this is the course that's going to get really down to what is going on in your body. We're going to discover together what food you cannot eat and what food you can eat. We're going to work on our mental health and we're going to work together to build new, long-lasting, healthy routines and habits. So head over to the website, mymindfulme.com, pre-register and get on the list to be one of the first in line. There's only 25 seats available on this course. We're gonna have registration on December 1st for two weeks, and then the course actually starts on January 4th. So head over to the website for more information, And while you're there, you can become a Mindful Me member for free. And you can actually check out the course and have exclusive access before it goes live. So once again, head over to mymindfulme.com and check out the Fertility Reconnect course. I'm really excited to have today's special guest on. It's Stephanie Roth from Your Fertile Self. Stephanie is a shining example of how if you take control of what is going on, take control of your health, that you can really increase your chances of getting pregnant, whether that's naturally or with some medical assistant. So, assistant? Assistance. (laughs) So, Stephanie was 42 years old and was diagnosed with severe diminished ovarian reserve and she was given a less than 2% chance of conceiving with her own eggs. So she took control and she she already kind of had a clean lifestyle, but she dug a little bit deeper into, you know, diet, nutrition. She really started focusing on mental health, um, got into yoga a little bit more. And within a year, she conceived her son with no major medical intervention. So I love Stephanie's story. I love her passion to help other women do the same now. So I'm really excited to have her on. So without further ado, here we go. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. Today we have Stephanie, who is a fertility coach. And um, I wanted to bring Stephanie on because she is our over 40 mom who was successful in getting pregnant. Yeah. I also love her story because she didn't mess around. She just got to it. And I'm like, oh, jealous. I wish I would have had that foresight. (laughs) But I want to kind of, um, for you to take us back, like what were your 20s and even your 30s um, like living? What were you doing? Hey, Monica. And first, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and 
uh, share with the ladies, your, your viewers and listeners, and just thanks so much for having me. So um, going back, so I'm 49 now, and began trying to have my first baby or trying to conceive my first baby um, in my early 40s when I was 42. So I would say going back to my 20s, my, the emphasis of my life was definitely more on my career. Um, you know, I was just finishing school. I was really ambitious, um, really wanted to kind of climb the career ladder, which I, I did very well. Um, I had a really serious relationship through my college years, and that ended after graduate school um, when I just really wanted to be very single-mindedly focused on on having my career and you know um, I was very you know I'm from the generation of sex in the city so I was very much into like being the single girl in the city kind of doing the single life thing and living in the big city I live in Washington DC um, so that was kind of what my 20s were all about um, my 30s um, I was still very focused on my career and I had advanced very nicely I would say that my 30s were really focused on trying to find my life partner um, so I met my now husband, I was 34, almost 35 when we met and 38 when we got married. So we were kind of late out of the gate as far as kind of, you know, getting set up in a house and starting to try for kids. And, um, you know, so my 40s were definitely about becoming a mom. Yep. And did you guys kind of go straight into trying to conceive or did you kind of just enjoy each other for a few years? After we were married, we enjoyed each other for a few years. So we were married for, let's see, we got married in 2008. And it was 2012 when we started uh, trying to have a baby. So we were married for about three, three and a half, almost four years before we got started. So, um, so yeah, again, we were just kind of late bloomers. <laughs> well, so you didn't give into that pressure of society and maybe even everyone around you kind of going, all right, your, talk's, your, your uh, clock's ticking. What's going on? Let's have kids, you know, were your doctors saying anything to you? Well, I was definitely very conscious of my clock ticking. If it had been up to me, I probably would have started uh, trying to have a baby shortly after we got married. My husband really, it was very important to him for us to take that time to kind of, I mean, we were already living together, but to get used to, you know, things do change when you get married. So he really was very important to him to take that time to really get used to being married and get used to each other. And we weren't living in the house for where we live now and we really wanted to kind of get set up in a, you know, um, a kind of better home environment for a family. And so we wanted to take, he wanted to take the time to make sure we found the right house and all that sort of stuff. So we kind of did all that, um, you know, kind of on the outset and then started trying for the child. Yeah. And during this time, did you ever have concerns about your fertility? I was concerned about, um, I was always concerned about my age. You know, you always hear that, you know, and, and the way that kind of the media usually presents things is like you turn 35 and your fertility just like goes down a cliff. And I mean, then there is something to that. And obviously, you know, it is more of a struggle for women who are of more advanced age. I hate to say older, but a more advanced age. So, um, you know, so that was always at the, kind of at the back of my head wondering if it would be a struggle because I was older. But as far as sort of any other sort of fertility issues, I was always pretty healthy. So I think like most people, I thought, you know, well, I'm, I'm healthy and he's healthy and 
we'll just start trying and we'll get pregnant right away. I mean, everyone thinks it'll happen within a few months and no one ever thinks that they're, you know, that they're going to be the ones who struggle. And I certainly put myself in that category too. Even being older, I didn't really think it would be a struggle. Yeah. And so you started trying to conceive. When did it um, dawn on you that you were struggling? It's, it happened fairly early on. So we uh, started trying and the second month out of the gate, like we got pregnant. So I was like, wow, that was really easy. I was so excited. I was like, oh man, that was so easy. And then a couple months after, well, I guess about a month after I got my positive pregnancy test result, I went to the doctor for my first OB visit and I had found out that I had had a miscarriage. So um, it was not a viable pregnancy and I had lost the pregnancy. And there's really nothing that can prepare you, prepare a person for going to the doctor, like all excited, thinking that you're gonna have a baby. And then an hour later, you come out of the doctor's office and you're all of a sudden not having a baby anymore. So um, that was really devastating. It was um, just, you know, I felt like the world had ended as I knew it. And that was, um, you know, when I first got the indica first indication that I'm like, oh, you know, maybe this really isn't gonna be as easy as I thought. Yeah, I mean, when you get pregnant that quickly, when you first try and conceive and then a miscarriage happens, um, yeah, it can really rock your world when when you're dealing with infertility for years and years and years. It's, um, a, you know, not a great thing to do, but sometimes you build up these defenses. So you walk into an appointment ready for the worst outcome where yeah. you, if you haven't done that yet and you just get massively blindsided. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, um, it, yeah, it's, it's devastating. And even um, my last miscarriage, um, I was so confident. I had everything like ticked off. I, I was doing everything that worked the last time. So this time was going to work and yeah. it didn't. But um, so where did you go from there then? Did you start getting the regular test of the doctor's office? So after my miscarriage, um, it didn't take long for my cycles to come back. Um, and I would say after my cycles came back, we tried again for a couple more months. And then I would say about a few months after my cycles came back, so about six months in to my whole journey, um, I was just like, well, it's time to bring in the big guns. And we called the doctor, you know, called a reproductive endocrinologist, went in for a consult and began sort of the whole parade of tests. Everything came back okay for my husband, you know, normal for him. Everything looked good. You know, the problem was with me. Um, and my test results were pretty abysmal, actually. Um, I don't know if you want me to just yeah. go into all that. So, um, yeah, so my test results were actually pretty abysmal. Um, my follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, was 16.4, which is pretty high. Um, the doctors don't like to see it above 10. Um, and my antral follicle count, when they go in on day three and do an on day three of your cycle and do an ultrasound and start counting the number of follicles that are starting to grow. Um, they like to see that kind of in the you know, 12 to 15 to 16 range. Mine was never higher than five. And my AMH, anti-malarian hormone, which is another test that measures, you know, sort of um, egg reserve, um, was really, really, really low. It was 0 0.15. So even for, at that time I was 42. So even for a 42 year old woman, like those results are, I mean, that's just a really, really, really low number. It pretty much indicates um, 
uh, really low egg reserve. I can't remember now what the um, official word is that they use for um, undetectable, undetectable egg supply left. So between all those test results, the doctor diagnosed me with very severe diminished ovarian reserve and said that I had a very low chance, less than 2% of getting pregnant with my own eggs and suggested recommended donor egg IVF as my you know, protocol um, that would give me the best chance of getting pregnant and having a baby. So that was that end of story for you, you know? Yeah, that was pretty devastating, actually. Thank Yeah, to, <laughs> another blindside, surely. Yeah, yeah, and, that was pretty devastating. And what was your first reaction to that diagnosis? What were you going to do when you were sat there in the doctor's office? Yeah, so when I was actually in the doctor's office getting the news, I was pretty just stunned, like you said, kind of blindsided. And you're just kind of shocked and you don't, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, you don't really know what to say. There's really nothing that you can say. And you just, you know, I needed time to sort of process that news, but I was pretty devastated. Um, when the FSH result came back, that one was 16.4. When that came back, I was kind of like, well, you know, I was kind of expecting that as an older, being older. Um, I was kind of like, well, this is manageable. You know, I can live with this. I can work with this. But when the AMH came back and, and that it was so low, that was like a punch in the stomach. Like that was like, that was really devastating. I mean, I, I felt just so depressed after that. And so we got the, we got the news, we were talking to the doctor and kind of got the whole donor IVF speech. Um, shortly before Labor Day weekend, the Thursday before Labor Day weekend, and the next day we were leaving to go away for Labor Day weekend um, to friends of ours who have a beach house in Virginia. Um, we had invited a bunch of us to go for the weekend, so we were going there for the weekend, and and I was pretty, um, I would say, pretty quiet that whole weekend. Not super social. Lots of like solitary walks on the beach. Um, just really kind of processing kind of what all this meant for me and like, was I going to become a mom and, and kind of what would happen after that? And it, I'd say after that weekend and, and pretty much the kind of following week, I came to the conclusion that um, I couldn't control my age. I couldn't control the fact that I have these crappy test results. Um, but I could, there were so many things that I could control and that's where I was going to focus my energy. And I, and I was just like, okay, I don't have a stockpile of eggs left. I don't even have very many. I've already had a miscarriage. So the ones I have probably just like aren't even really very good anyway. But I was like, I, I just felt like, okay, I've got to have a good one somewhere. And it was kind of my duty to, to do everything I could to try to find it. So I really was focusing at that point on you know, kind of controlling the things that I could in terms of, you know, healthy diet and healthy lifestyle and going to bed at a good hour and you know, taking vitamins, which I even in something kind of minor, like taking vitamins, which I wasn't doing up at that point. So just really kind of focusing on being the healthiest that I could be um, and to just, you know, to get really focused on my cycles. So I really have a, you know, really good awareness of my cycles and my fertile period and my ovulation and um, you know, empowering myself with that knowledge to really just kind of, you know, okay, I do have less than a 2% chance, but to do everything that I could within my own power to give myself the best possible chance. Yeah. And so was this, um, had you been looking online or seeing anything that gave you this inspiration or where did this come from? Where did the seed get planted? So I had been already studying to be a health coach. I've always, um, 
well, I don't want to say I'd always lived a healthy lifestyle, but I'd say for the kind of five years or so leading up to, you know, kind of from my late 30s on, or maybe even kind of my early 30s on, I'd always kind of been very mindful of health. I mean, I wasn't like big health nut, but very mindful of just, you know, kind of taking good care of myself. Um, so I was kind of already on a path and, and I was studying to be a health coach. So I was really kind of already kind of sort of on a path to sort of clean living and healthy living. So that wasn't like a big leap for me. Um, the learning about my cycles and my body, like none of that started until I started trying to have a baby. I mean, I was 41 and had no idea that you could only get pregnant a few days out of the month. Like, I mean, that's really embarrassing to say no, now. No, the thing <laughs> is, is that a lot of people I'm talking to say the same thing. And like, why aren't girls taught that? Like from my, I'm 49 now. So like from my generation or, you know, from Gen X, why aren't we taught that? I mean, I'm hoping that that's different for younger girls now that they are learning these things. And if I had a daughter, I would like make sure to teach her those things. Yeah. Because that's just, I mean, that's not even like, you know, crazy progressive sex education. I mean, this is just like basic health and basic right. understanding of your own body, you know, which yeah. is kind of criminal that girls haven't learned this about themselves. Exactly. And I mean, I think it has changed. I see my younger cousins, they're, um, they're the millenniums and they're like talking about condoms on Instagram. So I'm like, I know my generation <laughs> wouldn't do that. So I hope that the whole sex and periods and, you know, taking control of your fertility is being discussed nowadays um, a lot yeah. more, but yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy to me um, that that is even a step that we have to address with people who are dealing with infertility. Like, do you know when you can get pregnant? And a lot of people are saying no. So, no. um, as and I see it with my clients all the time or not. Well, often I see it with my clients. Like they're like, yeah, I'm tracking my cycles. I'm doing the ovulation predictor kits. And I'm just like, oh. they're a good backup tool, but you know, to get really re reliable results, you really need to tune into your own body you know, using the tools that nature has given you and not, you know, the test strip kits. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what was your go-to then? You've decided that you're going to take control. Um, what new things are, have you introduced in your life to help with your fertility? Um, definitely diet is a big one. Um, you know, food is everything. Um, food is probably one of the one of the most effective, if not the most effective tool that we can have in our arsenal to fight infertility or virtually any health concern, I would venture to say. Um, you know, really with, with female fertility and, and, you know, all for the guys too, but just kind of focusing on female fertility right now, you know, issues with ovulation are the leading cause of female infertility. And, you know, issues with ovulation are by and large caused by, you know, hormone imbalances. I mean, with infertility, you know, the name of the game is the hormones. It's all about the hormones. And it's, you know, our whole female menstrual cycle is just like an intricate dance of hormones each and every single month. And so, and if you can get at the root of those hormone imbalances, you can really go a long way towards, you know, kind of correcting your ovulation, normalizing your cycles, um, making them regular and consistent. And so much of that can be done through just how and what we eat. Mm -hmm. It's really powerful. Yeah, it's um, the science is like way over my head. I try to study it. No, I do study it, but um, a lot of the times I'm still like 
whoa. Yeah. And like new things are getting thrown in every month yeah. of what the discovery is. But to break it down very simply, what you put in your mouth gives you life, right? If you yeah. didn't eat or drink water, yeah. you wouldn't live. So that's your step one and two every day. Where does yeah. it go? Your ovaries aren't dealing with that shit. Your brain is <laughs> dealing with it. Your gut. <laughs> Your gut uh-huh. is dealing with what you put into your yeah. mouth. And so yeah. if your gut's unhappy, it's going to send a lot of signals to everything else and make them unhappy. And that includes hormones. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And it's, um, so. it's a mind trip to get around, you know, because, you know, here we are, we are talking about people, you know, women aren't being taught the basics of their menstrual cycle like how do we even go from that to going oh guess what your gut controls most of your hormones (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot to take in it's a lot to take in i think just really focusing on the basics is such a good idea i mean we're always so you know preoccupied with well what's the latest thing we can try what's the latest fad and is there a new supplement that is yeah. going to do the trick? You know, there is no like magic solution. And if we can just get back to basics and focus on just the very simple things of like how we're eating, how much water we're drinking, how we're moving our body, how much sleep we're getting, how we're, you know, handling stress, how we're interacting with our friends and loved ones. I mean, basically how we show up in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and that those are all things that we have the power within our own, you know, within, those are all things that are within our own power and under our own control. And so in that sense, um, yeah, the fertility journey, there's so much that's, you know, kind of out of our control, but those are all things, those are all amazing things that we can control each and every single day. And they have a huge impact. Yeah, definitely. So Uh, really there's so much that's within our power. Oh yeah. A lot. And so you've got your diet, um, you're tuning in on that. And I don't want to get into specifics because everyone's so different. You know, we all have to find what works for us. Um, lifestyle and mentally, um, did you start working on your emotions towards infertility or even towards other things in your life? I did. I would say that that part came later for me. So I really started out with, you know, the diet and the sleep and the vitamins and, I would say about, um, I don't know, maybe a few, a few months after I started seeing the reproductive endocrinologist. So I had told, gone back to him and I had told him like, hey, I'm not opposed to donor egg IVF, but it just doesn't feel like the right thing for me right now to start out. And it's so invasive and I'd love to start out with kind of a you know less invasive option at first. And I, I wanted to try uh, intrauterine insemination IUI first and thankfully he was supportive so we started out with IUIs um, I'm sure my doctor was probably like yeah that's not gonna work but he never to me publicly his outward face to me was that he was very he was willing to give that a try and he was supportive and I'm so thankful for that so we started with IUIs I did come out with a positive after the first one I had another loss um, and then after the second IUI I guess I don't know you know my hormones might have come Kind of gone crazy. Sure, but I went in to try the third IUI. The second one was a negative. Um, I had a canceled cycle. You know, I went in on day three for baseline testing, and my hormones were kind of crazy, and I had cysts. And they basically told me, like, you know, you can't do it this month. You know, come back next month. And it ended up being three months away from the RE's office, just due to 
due to just travel schedules and holidays and you know every month I'd get my period and I'd look at the calendar and I'd be like oh crap I can't do it this month you know I'm gonna be away so it ended up being I didn't go back for another IUI cycle for a few more months and so during those few months um, you know it was kind of an imposed upon me break from treatment but during those few months I was I kind of used the time to reflect and I was just sort of like okay I'm doing all this stuff you know I'm, I'm eating well I'm sleeping well and taking vitamins, you know, I'm doing all the right stuff, so to speak, but I'm still, you know, I'm still having trouble and I'm still, you know, I'm still not getting anywhere. What else do I need to do? You know, is there something else I need to do? Am I missing something? And I really sat and kind of, you know, waited for sort of internal guidance to come to me. You know, if we sit in silence with ourselves and tune into our intuition, the answers always come to us. And so um, I'm a longtime yoga practitioner, so I'm experienced with sort of that process of sitting in silence and and kind of waiting for guidance to come and it did and it and that guidance told me that the piece that was missing was my mind I wasn't focused I think in my heart um, in my heart I still was unsure of whether or not it would really work for me and so when I kind of intuitively felt like I needed to work on my mindset some more, I started tuning in and listening to myself. And, you know, we have internal conversations with ourselves all day, every day. Most of the time it's like white noise. We don't really hear it, um, but we do. And so I really took the time to kind of listen to the, mess, the conversations I was having with myself. And I was telling myself things like, well, you're too old. Of course, you're the one who is going to have crappy test results. Like, why would you think you would not be the one with crappy test results? You know, of course, it's going to be you. You're going to be the one with the problem. Your eggs are crap. You don't have very many. The ones that you have left are like crap. And I said to also to myself, maybe you're just not meant to be a mom. Oh, I think I said that to myself a lot of times. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, those are really powerful words. Yeah. Yeah. And I... And when I finally realized like, holy shit, like these are the things I'm saying to myself, I knew I had to turn that around. And I I knew that I was like, okay, I really don't believe in myself. I don't really believe that this is going to happen for me. And I need to turn this around because I have already the physical odds against me, you know, the less than 2% chance thing. I already have that against me. And that's like biology. And so if I have like a crappy attitude about it all on top of it, I'm never going to have a chance and I could work on changing my attitude, so to speak. And it still might not happen because I have the 2% odds, but unless I change, unless and until I change that, I'm never going to have a chance. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it was really important to begin working on my mindset. And so, and I did, um, you know, I started, that's, I started taking up, Um, meditation. I started doing visualizations and repeating affirmations to myself every day. And in the beginning, it's sort of like, you kind of fake it till you make it kind of thing. I mean, in the beginning, (laughs) you're kind of forcing yourself uh to say these things. But after time, it becomes so much easier because it becomes more real and it becomes more genuine and it becomes really from your heart and it becomes what you really truly believe. Mm -hmm. And then you do cultivate that faith and that inner knowing that it will happen. Yeah. It's all kind of part of that manifestation yes. process, yeah. I think. And, and it's really it, powerful. It is. And it is very woo-woo. And it is very <laughs> hard to get your head around that it actually yeah. 
is very important. And like you say, you have to fake it till you make it. I think most people who knew me before infertility and even during like most of my years and, and the me now, they're just like, who's this person? And I was like, I still say fuck. It's all right. I'm still kind of. <laughs> but um, you're yeah. right, Monica, it's a really transformational experience and you know, I think even with fertility infertility it, it it changes your life it does not define us it does yeah. not define who we are we are so much more than this journey but it is something that when you have walked this path and lived this journey it forever changes who you are and it is always part of who you are yeah and I think you nailed it when you said until you start realizing that you're beating yourself yeah. up and you're telling yourself that maybe you're not worthy enough to be a mother um until you realize that you're doing that to yourself you won't move forward in the your yes. process because you think yes. oh, no i i do you know you you're very good at tricking yourself to believe that things are okay and you don't yes. need to do these things mentally. The, the awareness is so key because it's sort of like um, they tell people in AA or you know recovery, the first thing you have to do is admit powerlessness over your problem, right? That's like you have to reach that point before you can move forward. I think it's sort of the same thing with infertility. I mean, it's not that we have to admit powerlessness over it. It's just more um, that we just really need to reach that very keen state of awareness of you know really kind of where we're at. Um, before we can kind of move forward. Yeah. And the only so, way to do it is to just go through it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I know we're on a time crunch, but um, tell us the end of your journey then, because it's a short one, which is just amazing because you didn't dick around. You just got to the core of what you needed to do. Yeah. So my journey was a short one. Um, it was 13 months from the first month that we started trying to the month where I successfully conceived my son who is starting kindergarten this fall. Um, he's almost six. Um, so I did um, conceive by IUI. I did four rounds of IUI. Um, when we were getting ready for the fourth IUI, and it was going to be the last one, um, you know, we were, I had responded really, really well to medication. And um, my doctor, who had previously said, donor egg IVF is your only hope, when we went in for the fourth IUI, he said, well, you know, if this doesn't work, you know, if you want to try a round of IVF using your own eggs, I'd be supportive of that. So I was like, I won. <laughs> I won. <laughs> I proved it. I proved he was wrong. Um, but that cycle ended up working. So, um, so on the fourth round of IUI, I successfully conceived my son. It was an IUI cycle with Clomid and injectable FSH. Um, and yeah, so I think also going into that final round of IUI, Maybe it was all the mindset work that I had done, Monica. I don't really know what I can attribute it to, but I just knew intuitively that that cycle was going to be a successful cycle. Um, again, I don't know how I knew, but I, I just knew that it was going to work. And so it wasn't, a I mean, it, was, it wasn't a surprise when I got a positive pregnancy test. It was still exciting and exhilarating and, oh my God, this is awesome, but it wasn't a surprise. And when I went in for my beta and the nurse called and said it was a good number, you know, and, then my, and my betas kept going up, you know, the way they, sh they should, none of it was a surprise. And even two days before I got my positive pregnancy test, I um, 
had implant, I had spotting and I was like, oh, this must be what implantation bleeding is. Mm -hmm. And it was just all like, I just knew, I don't know how I knew, but I just knew. And, um, and, uh, so I had a very uneventful pregnancy. Um, there was no complications with age or anything. In fact, after one of my, um, the first trimester screen, when they go and look for, um, you know, genetic issues at the end of the first trimester, it's a big a milestone in testing at the end of the first trimester. Um, when the genetics counselor called me back with my results, she said they were typical of a 31-year-old woman. And I was 43 at the time. Right. So it was a very uneventful pregnancy. You know, everything went well. Baby's healthy. The baby looks good. Mom's healthy. Um, so it was really very, such a wonderful way to kind of end, book, close that part of my journey, you know, after of all the worrying about age and am I too old and less than two percent chance and all that stuff to just have you know a very kind of typical pregnancy was just really wonderful. I love your story that you became your own hero quickly Um, you know I think for a lot of us we um, tend to just hope for you know the medical side to just take us and guide us and then when that's not working out then we kind of go to the holistic side and try that um you know maybe your background of already becoming a health coach to help you with that but i think it's truly amazing that you became your own hero over 40 and you are showing people that it is doable and possible um to happen and you just have to put in the work and thank you so much for sharing your story Kind of oh, thank you. So, thank you so much, Monica. I really appreciate yeah. it. So my last question for you today is we talk about hindsight being a bitch with everything that you've learned, you've been through, you've studied, you've done. What is the advice to anyone going through um, infertility at the moment? What's your number one piece of advice for them? Um, I would say, I think I have two. First, I would say, you know, believe in yourself and listen to your intuition, you know, learn how to tap into your intuition. Um, I was going to say, just jump in if you're wavering on something, but I think listening to our intuition is so key. It was key for me. I think that's why I was, what my, my, what my intuition was telling me is what gave me the strength to go to my doctor and basically tell him that I didn't want to do what he recommended and I wanted to do something else. Um, because my intuition told me that that, that what he was recommending for me wasn't the right path for me. So, you know, we all have the gift of intuition. Um, you know, it's not just like, you know, crazy psychics on the street corner. I mean, we all have the gift of intuition we all just learn how to use it to a different degree. So I would just encourage anyone listening or watching to just learn how to tap into your own inner voice. Because when you listen to your own inner voice, you always win. It's that voice is never wrong. Right. And you're talking to yourself anyways. I know all of us do it. So (laughs) maybe just, um, I don't know, shut off, you know, shut the you know, negative side off and just start listening to the more positive side of you. And I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but we are all talking to ourselves and that a hundred percent is one of the best advice out there is, yeah, just go with your gut. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. been saying it for 
billions of years, yeah. you know, listening to it, your gut. It never steers us wrong. And when we do it, it helps us to believe in ourselves. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I know we were having some technical issues before we got on this call. Thank you so much for pulling through and doing this because I'm super excited to share this on the podcast and you're going to, I think, inspire a lot of women who are, you know, older, going to be older moms like us. So thank you so much for being with us and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Monica. Bye-bye. My pleasure. Bye. A few things before you go. Remember, all the links to connect with Stephanie are down below in the show notes. Remember, you can also watch me waving my hands in the air over on the YouTube channel, Fertility Reconnect, and there's loads of great other videos on there to help you reconnect your fertility. If you're really loving what we're doing here on the infertile diagnosis, please leave us a rating or a review. It really helps the podcast, and we would love to know what we're doing right and how we can improve in the future. Please email us at me at mymindfulme.com with any questions that you would like to be answered on the infertile diagnosis on our Q&A sessions that we do once a month. Thanks once again for tuning in and looking forward to having you next week on the infertile diagnosis. Thank you.